This morning we are in James chapter 4. And in James chapter 4, we are dealing with the uh, issue of conflict. And uh, conflict is uh, something we deal with every day. And uh, we see conflict all around us today, particularly as uh, the election draws nigh in November. Uh, there's a lot of conflict going on. There's a lot of conflict in our community over the decision of uh, the casino and prior, prior coming to that uh, decision. And uh, yes, they uh, approved the land sale to um, the Shoshone tribe. Um, that doesn't mean it's a done deal. There's still more hoops that um, the, the, um, the, the tribe and the developers need to jump through. But, um, but they did approve the sale of the land across the street on China Lake near the front gate of the base. But uh, we've seen a lot of conflict over that as well. And, uh, and so James talks about conflict because the church 2,000 years ago was in a great deal of conflict. You, you think that the church is messed up today? You know, all the things that James is addressing in his book was happening in that church. They were praising God out of one mouth and they were cursing each other out of the other, the other side of their mouth. And, uh, and why is this? Why was it 2,000 years ago? Why is it today? Well, James asked that question. Or James in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? That's what we're going to be looking at today. And the truth of the matter is that you and I have a natural bent for conflict. And we... It didn't even have to be taught to us. It comes right out of our nature. And I saw this immediately as a parent, as I watched each one of my four children grow up. You, you would watch them as, as toddlers get together with other toddlers. And if one toddler had a toy that someone else wanted... You know, there, there was going to be a fight that occurred, and there was going to be a lot of tears. I, I thought about tapping into our, um, our uh, closed-circuit security camera that we have in, in the building. We have cameras. We have t- cameras in the toddler's room. I thought about bringing up on the st- screen, watching them uh, play with each other, and uh, watch this conflict occur. But then I thought, oh, maybe the parents of toddlers wouldn't appreciate that uh, very much. I know if I were in your shoes, I wouldn't uh, appreciate that. But I know what you're going through. My my kids gave me a lot of sermon fodder uh, as I uh, watched them uh, grow up. They still do, and they don't like for me to talk about them today, but uh, oh well. <laughs> but, uh, and so that's what, um, that's what we're looking at this morning. And the, and the church, the church 2,000 years ago was as in much conflict then as it is as it is today. James is writing to to believers that have been dispersed outside of Jerusalem, outside of Palestine. They're 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 scattered a, a, across the uh, the geography beyond Palestine, and 
and uh, and yet they are in conflict with each other and and he's he's writing to these house churches and uh, they have a hard time getting along why do we have this conflict well number one the reason why we have this conflict is because there's an inward conflict going on in each of us okay james says in 4 1 the last part of verse 1 don't they come from your desires that battle within you a few months ago i had a sermon series the battle is real and there is an internal battle between the old and the new that we are constantly having to resolve. And so we have this inward conflict. Uh, look at James chapter 3, verse uh, 14. It's not in your outline, but if you have your Bibles, look at James three fourteen. It says, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. I mean, these people were pretending to be somebody they weren't. They looked good on Sundays, but uh, they were miserable, miserable to be around uh, throughout the week. They were full of jealousy and selfish ambition. So one reason why we have conflict is because of the internal conflict inside with ourselves. Second is there's an outward conflict. In James 4, 2, it says you desire... But you desire, but you do not have. So you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. They didn't have what they wanted, and so they, they killed. Now, is he referring to physical murder in this place? Probably not. He's, he's probably referring to what Jesus talked about in the Sermon on the Mount, that Mount, even if you have hatred in your heart towards somebody, that's like murder. And, uh, and so he's talking about the attitudes of the heart, but they were, they were coveting what others had, and uh, it, it caused jealousy, and uh, they, they didn't have what, what they wanted. And so not only is there outward conflict with each other, the reason why we have conflict, but the third reason why we have conflict is because of the upward conflict in our relationship with the Lord, James says. Look at verse 4. He says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes becomes an enemy of God. <clears throat> James isn't talking about uh, sexual infidelity here. He's talking about spiritual infidelity, and they've 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 walked away. They've abandoned their uh, their um, their spiritual uh, infidelity. It's, they've abandoned their spiritual relationship. They value the things of this world more than they do the things of God. And so they're focused on their own desires, their selfish desires, their worldly desires, and they are living very self-centered lives. 
And James says, you adulterous people, you have abandoned the worship of God for the worship of yourself. And this is wrong. And God is jealous for you. In verse 5, look at verse 5. He says, says this. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? God is jealous for each one of us. And it's not an ungodly jealousy. God's jealous. Yeah, he's, he's jealous for us in a good way because he wants what's best for every one of us. And when we take on the ways of the world, when we value what the world has to offer rather than God, what God has to offer, and we begin to worship the things around us, and those become our gods, our Father in heaven sees and knows that those are only things that are going to destroy our lives. And he wants what's best for us. And so here we have not only this conflict within and with each other, but with God. We are forsaking him and pursuing other things. And so the application of today's message is this. If we are going to experience the life the abundant life that God has for each one of us, we must learn to overcome conflict. We must learn to overcome conflict. Why do we find ourselves at enmity, opposed to the things of God? We must recognize the cause. Church, the cause is pride. Pride. We are focused on ourselves. Look at James. Let me read verses 1 through 3 again. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, and so you quarrel and fight. You don't have because you do not ask God. But when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. You and I need to go to the root of the problem when it comes to conflict. Oftentimes when we, we look at, at conflict, you know, we, we just see the surface. We, we see the obvious. And maybe it's pointed out to us. And so you say to, to the person or you say to yourself, well, I'll try to do better next time. When actually, when, if conflict is going to be resolved, if things are going to change in your life, if, th- if issues are going to be resolved, you've got to go to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is pride. You want what you want. And until you, until you address that, it's not going to go away. Now, I have this... Uh, I have a weed here, okay? 
It's, it's Bermuda. How many like Bermuda? Yeah, we don't like Bermuda, okay? Bermuda, you know, can work in our lawns as long as we, we manage it. But when it gets in your garden, your flower garden, or something of that nature, it makes a huge mess, okay? It can create a chaos out of beauty. Um, so I, I pulled this piece of Bermuda out of my, um, my garden this morning. You know, it's amazing, you know. If I were to, to have cut um, a, leaf, a leaf or uh, a, a, a branch off my grapevine, uh, that thing would all that would be withered and look all dead right now. Have, just having done it maybe two hours earlier. But with this Bermuda grass, you know, I, I dug it up this morning, and this this guy still looks healthy. Now. Again, we have to go to the root of the problem if we want to eradicate Bermuda from our garden. When I was a teenager, you know, I went over to Grandma Logan's house with my dad and my brother, and we would pull weeds out of um, Grandma, Grandma Logan's yard. But when I pulled weeds out of my Grandma Logan's yard, you know, and there, there was Bermuda growing every, everywhere, I would just take what I could see on the surface and pull it out with my hands and, you know, convince myself that I was weeding. But you know what? The Bermuda is still there. If you want to get Bermuda out of your garden, you've got to go beneath the surface and you've got to go all the way to the tip of the root. Okay? Now I've been told that there's Bermuda living in the ground that might be eight feet under the surface of the soil. Now I've not experienced that, but man, who who can get that kind of weed out of their of their yard? But I had to go all the way beneath the surface, and so here was here was the uh, the the Bermuda above the dirt, and this was the root below. And had I pulled out the root right here and left this here, it's coming back, okay? And I don't even have to water it, and it's going to come back. We've got to go to the root of our conflict if we're going to resolve conflict. And that root is pride. In chapter 3 of James, verses 14 and 16, he talked about jealousy and selfish ambition. Go to Galatians chapter 5, where Paul talks about the work of the flesh. Verse 19, Paul says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, 
idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you and I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Where do all these things come from? It comes from our own selfish desires. We want what we want because we think we deserve it. And this will fulfill, this will satisfy me. And oftentimes we walk over others to get what we want. And so, and then we leave a, a disastrous trail behind us, a path of destruction. Because the focus is on you. The focus is on me. Oftentimes there is conflict between Susan and I because our agendas don't match. I have an agenda and she has an agenda. And if she's not meeting my agenda, I get upset and vice versa because I'm focused on me. You know, I want to do what I want to do. And it leads to conflict. And if we're going to continue to live that kind of life, church, James says, it's only going to lead to emptiness. The consequences of focus on self is emptiness. Look at, James says, you want something, but you don't get it. You cannot have what you want. You do not have, you do not receive. Ecclesiastes 2.11 says, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind, nothing was gained under the sun. And if you don't focus on the issue of pride in your life, I don't focus on pride in my life. Our lives look like those gardens that don't address the Bermuda and everything is out of control. So what's the answer? What's the answer to the conflict, the division? You and I must receive the cure. And the cure is God's grace. James 4, 6 says, but he gives us more grace. He wants to give his grace. He wants to give us the helper, the Holy Spirit to come come alongside us, the paraclete, to enable us to be whom God created us to be. We need his grace. How do we receive his grace? Four things. Number one, we must humble ourselves before God. James 4, 6 says, God opposes the proud, but shows more favor to the humble. Verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord, 
and he will lift you up. You can't rely on yourself. You can't just tell yourself, okay, I'll just try to do better. And we deal with the surface. Okay, next time I'll do better. No, you and I need to go beneath the surface and realize that we're focused on ourselves. We want what we want. We're thinking of ourselves more than we're thinking of the other. And we must humble ourselves before God and confess our helplessness. Confess that we can't do it on our own and that we need him to change our heart. The second thing that James tells us is in verse 4 and verse 7. We need to submit ourselves to God. Submit ourselves to God. What does it mean to submit? It means to make important to us what's important to him. In submitting to God, James, rapid fire, says these things that we need to do in in James chapter 4, beginning with um, verse 7. He says, Submit yourself to God, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. And this is what it means to submit to God. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. And purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. We, We need to see the reality of our selfishness. We need to humbly admit that we've been focused on ourselves. We've put a higher priority on my needs than the the needs of the other person. And we need to submit to God's ways. We need to prioritize what's important to God. And we need to get to the tip of the root of the problem and weed it out of our lives. Don't focus on you. Focus on others. Humble yourself. Submit to God. Number three, resist the devil. As we're doing these things, James 7 says, resist resist the devil and he will flee from you. As we're truly humbling ourselves, submitting to God's ways rather than our own, and living a life of repentance, of confession, we're resisting the devil. And James says, the devil will flee. But as long as as the world's ways, the world's values are greater than God's and you are focused on you, the devil has a foothold in your life. That Bermuda weed continues to exist and to thrive and will make chaos of your life. And then number four, in finding God's grace, 
being humble, submitting, resisting the devil. James says, walk with God. Verse 8 says, come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. And Christian, this isn't just a one-time event. Okay, you repent once, you get your life together and change We've got to live a life of repentance. That old nature, that selfish desire, it's not going away till Jesus comes. And then we will be like him. But until then, we still got this earth suit. And the battle is real, the battle is ongoing, and we must walk humbly before our God and draw near to him constantly and as we do as we receive God's grace go back to Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles it's not in your outline I apologize but verse verse 22 as we root out the roots humbly walk with God. This is what's going to be displayed in our life. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Let me ask you a question. A person who's displaying that kind of fruit, are they living a self-centered life? Are they focused on themselves? Look at, look at the words again. Love, joy, peace. They're not consumed with themselves. They're thinking about the needs the opportunities to minister to others. And when we live that kind of life, conflict will dissolve. If we live that kind of life in the world, church, it's easy to do it here. But Jesus says, shine your light in the world. When we shine our light out there, The world is going to be beating on the door to come in here. Because they see something that's different. I don't know how much you followed the, uh, the casino debate. I've not been very proud of the Christian community. Now, not everybody who was at those city council meetings um, who claimed to be Christians were that way. But there were some, there's some that give the rest of us a black eye. 
And um, so we all get lumped in that category. But I, I, I appreciate um, godly men and women who did stand up and, and focused on the issue and, and weren't ugly. Uh, um, Solomon, for one, was uh, very articulate and, and brought out some important points this last Wednesday. I don't, I'm not sure the city council heard, but, uh, but, but he was well-received. I, I think of um, uh, Lindsay Reed. Lindsay Reed has done an excellent... Stevens, I'm sorry, Lindsay Stevens. I thought she has brought out some excellent points in a, in a spirit of humility that is heard. Um, but for, but for some, you know, we get on our holy high horse and we, we sound very condescending and holier than thou. And that's what comes across and not what is in our hearts. Um, I was, I was, um, I was concerned about one one person. He's not an elected official, but he's a, an employee of our city, and he was hammered in this week's newspaper um, because of some emails. You know, and I, I read those emails in the pe- paper, and I didn't fault I didn't fault him for those emails. From where he sits uh, at the city desk and his responsibility, he was doing his job. And uh, I saw him at the city council meeting Wednesday night. And he, he looked pretty beat up. And I, and I didn't get to say hi to him Wednesday night. But uh, um, I got uh, on Facebook uh, Friday morning and wrote him a, a message. And uh, just told him that uh, I appreciate uh, where where he's coming from. You know, he was he was the moderator between those for the casino and those against the casino. And uh, some people who were against the casino thought that he was very biased. And that came out in the paper also. I thought he was really fair with both sides. And I told him so. And I, I told him about um, the fact that I don't fault him for what came out in the, the paper and that uh, I thanked him for doing his job. Even though I strongly oppose where he's coming from, I appreciate the fact, the, the job that he's doing. And I, I did this because I was in James's text. You know, and James was pointing out to me my pride, and and I needed to just humble myself and and thank him and let him know that I'm praying for him. And he sent me a, a message back immediately and thanked me for my heart and and um, the fact that he appreciates um, my my the integrity and how I represented our church um, at those city council meetings. But, you know, we don't win people over church
by being ugly. By, by trying to win our side of the debate. You know, the, the casino issue isn't going the way I hoped it would go. But just maybe God wants to bring the casino to Ridgecrest. You know, God used the enemies of Israel to get Israel's attention. And maybe God needs to use a casino to help people see that the ways of the world, the things that the world has to offer only leads to bankruptcy so that they might see God. I don't know. But if we're going to win friends and influence enemies, James says, if conflicts are going to be resolved, if marriage relationships or couples are going to work together rather than against each other, you got to swallow your pride. And you need to begin to look at what's going on in the other person's heart rather than your own. And that speaks volumes. And if we live that kind of life out there, people are going to want to come here and glorify our Father in heaven because Jesus makes a real difference. Things will change when we receive God's grace. Things will change in three dimensions. Number one, they'll change upwardly. You and I will have peace with God. God will affirm you. Uh, The Holy Spirit who is in our lives will affirm His righteousness in our lives. There's peace. There's outward peace. There's outward peace with others, secondly. And then third, there's inward peace with ourselves. So my question to you this morning is, are you in conflict? What conflicts are going on in your life right now? James says that the reason they're there is that you're focused on you. Get your your eyes off your own selfish motives and focus on the needs of others. And God will create an opportunity for conversation and not fighting. Let's pray. Again, Lord, another very practical subject. If there are husbands and wives here this morning who are in conflict with each other, would you be so bold enough to Just take each other's hands. Just say, God, in your heart, help 
us to resolve these issues. Root out the pride. Humble yourself before the Lord first. Submit to His ways rather than your ways. Resist the enemy. Walk with God. Ask God's God help me to see what you see. Help me to be who you are. For the sake of my spouse, for the sake of my my children. for your glory and our best. I don't know your situation and there may be some serious issues that you need to talk to a counselor or a pastor about. You need somebody to pray with you will come alongside you give you godly wisdom as we worship this morning maybe you need to dismiss yourself and go into the dining hall there's elders there who would love to pray with you this morning but God's grace is available God help us to be that bright light in our community. I thank you, God, for the conversation I had this week with someone who was hurting. And God, you just showed me, Bill, don't throw a pity party. See what I see. And bless somebody else. Father, thank you for your truth that can set us free. May we truly be different as we rid us of ourselves and fill us with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand with me, please? And we're going to sing this song. This is a time of...